Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the From Busy to Rich podcast. Our podcast exists to inspire advisors like you to increase your profitability and your quality of life, and not just for yourselves, but also for those that you serve. Uh, my name is Andy Traub. I want to welcome Wes Young. Hello, Wes. How are you today? Hey, Andy. Doing wonderful. And Justin is joining us as well. Hello, Justin. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you as well. Um, Wes, um, it's, this is, uh, awkward, but you have, um, put some restraints upon me and yeah. not told me, uh, you know, I am the host, uh, what the title, I'm not supposed to say the title. So, well, we can argue about that when we're not recording, but why, why am I not allowed to tell these people what this is called? Why do I not know? Why am I? Yeah. There? Well, so sometimes Andy, there are stories that set up applicable truths far more than an explanation. Okay. And, so it's like a gift. Um, You're keeping me in the dark. It's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I'll thank you for the gift. Yeah. Um, yep. So this is really about you and, well, uh, you. and a gift to you thank live. You. And so the, the, the set, so, so to set up the topic of our series here that we're going to be diving into over the next several weeks, uh, I just want to tell you a story. And, and I love this story. It's close to my heart and you'll learn later why and a lot of reasons, but um, I want to read you something, a, a quote or an excerpt from the book, No Rules Rules, uh, which is fantastic if you haven't gotten it. Lots of, lots of good takeaways in there. And it's by Reed Hastings. And he was the co-founder of a, co- a company, a very small company, probably nobody's heard of called Netflix. And heard of them. Um, so, so this, this is an interesting kind of, kind of excerpt. And then I want to dig into some stats after, because I, I think it's going to just set up everything that we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. So here it was. It says, we, we all sat down around a massive glass table. And after a few minutes of small talk, Mark and I made our pitch. We suggested that Blockbuster purchase Netflix. And then we would develop and run Blockbuster.com as their online video rental arm. Aniako, who was the CEO at the time, listened carefully, nodded his head frequently. And then asked, how much would Blockbuster need to pay for Netflix? When he heard our response, $50 million, he flatly declined. Mark and I left crestfallen. Now, Andy, the, the thing here is to, to put, go back in time. This was in early 2000. So right around the dot-com first crash and, and things were interesting. And, and Blockbuster, Blockbuster at the time was a $6 billion giant that dominated the home entertainment business with almost 9,000 rental stores around the world. And, yeah. and, and Netflix, on, in contrast that, they'd actually lost money uh, the year before, and they were in the middle because the middle of the dot-com bust, um, and they were tiny uh, relative to Blockbuster. Uh, they were two, year old, two years old, and their company at that moment, and that, you, know, what, you know what Netflix is today, but at that moment, they actually would let people order DVDs on their website and receive them through the U.S. Postal Service. And um, they had 100 employees and only 300,000 subscribers. So they did have proof of concept with this deal, but, but still really small, really startup and nowhere near what Blockbuster was at the time. So um, the, the fascinating part was also at the end of 2000, after the 2000 bell would ring, Aniako would make this statement. He said, by any measure, this is after he shot down buying, buying Netflix. By any measure, 2000 was a great year for Blockbuster. 
Building on the strength of 2000, we remain confident that we can continue to generate solid cash earnings growth in 2001 and beyond, led by continued success in our retail store business. In 2010, Blockbuster declared bankruptcy. In 2010, Netflix was worth $9.3 billion. In 2019, there was one Blockbuster store remaining, and it was in Bend, Oregon. Shout out to Jesse uh, Howe. He's the one who always brings up that they still have it. Um, Today, Netflix is just shy of $2 billion. Yeah. That story, and and we're going to talk about this later. My dad actually was an operations director for a large franchise of Blockbuster videos. So we'll, we'll come back to that and how that plays in in his mindset. I actually spoke to him about it this morning, setting this up. But but here's, here's the, the tragic, kind of beautiful dance between these two organizations and, and what took place in time is, is, is Blockbuster really, in essence, they became beautifully prepared for a world that no longer existed. And there are truths here. There are truths in this story, and I want to talk about them, and I want to pull them out and talk about how they apply to advisors that can help advisors avoid being obsolete, avoid being beautifully prepared for a world that doesn't exist, but also get them in a place where they actually can transform the marketplace to where it's going, almost like the old Wayne Gretzky, I skate to where the puck's going, not where it is, right? right. and and make a real meaningful, valuable, relevant um, impact in, in, in their organization, have a lot more fun in the process. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think that it's one of the cautions I would have for you who are listening is it's easy to dismiss the story and say, well, that, you're talking about big companies. And, but that's not what we're talking about. The, the, the companies are irrelevant. The, the principle, the story, the lesson is that things change and often they change much more quickly than, I mean, imagine sitting in Blockbuster's offices in 2000 at the height of their success and saying, in 10 years, you've got an eight-year-old. By the time they're a senior in high school, you will not have a job. This will be gone. And they would think, you are crazy. Crazy. Now, why did that happen? It happened because innovation happened. It happened because the internet grew. And you know, going to Blockbuster and getting out of my house to drive and staying in line or and then for, for them to not have the movie, Right. Uh, because I remember when they had 50 copies and that seemed like a lot. And now at any moment, anywhere in the world, you've got thousands of people watching the exact same movie and Netflix can handle that, right? It scaled well. Is that innovation happened and Blockbuster chose to be on the wrong side of innovation. And what I would suggest for you who are listening is innovation is happening and you need to choose to be on the right side of innovation. It's not if innovation is happening. It's not if it will affect you. It's that it is happening and we're trying to warn you and encourage you to be on the right side of innovation and to not and not try to push back against it unless you want to be a museum, which is what the last blockbuster story is. It's That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So tell us more about how to avoid being obsolete. Yeah, I, I, I love this topic. This is a, like the heartbeat of one of the things that I talk about most, care about most, and where I give a ton of energy um, and, and I believe this. So here, here's kind of the big idea. The takeaway of this first session is you've got to transform yourself before the market demands you do. You've got to transform yourself before the market demands you do. And there are things you and I can do and everybody that's listening or watching that will put you on the leading edge of where things are going rather than protecting where things were. 
And, and I think in, in the lives of the people that we see, they're doing great work that are, that are innovating, both large companies, small companies. This is a, it's a, it's a core value. And it's, 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 it's something they might not even know how to say it, but they are always looking to transform. And usually the way we talk about this in our organization, and we'll get into some kind of, kind of things that we do about it and that we see done is we have this principle we've talked about in past podcasts that we, we normalize the new, the normalize the new mentality. Mm-hmm. And so I think we can talk about that for a little bit. So I know this of, um, gosh, what's it called? What's the right, um, we've talked about this before, Wes, maybe you can help with it too, Justin, like the, the, I feel like it's the word hyper, isn't it? But it's the idea that like your brain is valuable. Um, it's a plasticity uh, and the word plastic is in there. The meaning that like your brain, it, it, it has a, like your thoughts are not just thought bubbles. They're actually physical tracks in your brain. And so that's why it's so hard to create new habits. Right. It's because your, 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 your actions are literally and your thoughts are literally stuck, stuck in a rut, just like a car would be or a train to be on tracks. Yes. But the plasticity of our brain is that you can change it. it, it and it's, it's easier to change it when you're young. Uh, but you can, we can all change the way we think. And I think that normalizing the new is fascinating because essentially what you're saying is train your brain to accept and be excited about new things instead of the way that our brain yeah. is wired by default, which is I'm going to resist new things. Andy, there's a, there's a fascinating book that's uh, fairly new still um, uh, by Dan Sullivan um, and, and Ben Harding that the, they co-wrote called 10X is Easier Than 2X. And one of the things they talk a lot about is this idea that the, that the eyes can only see, the ears can only hear what the brain is looking for. And, and so Interesting. when, when you tell your brain that there is new out there that ultimately will transform the way things are done, you don't just defend the way you've always done it. You're constantly on alert. You're constantly looking for new and you don't need to be the inventor of that new. Some people just aren't wired that way, but you need to be paying attention to the fringes. You need to be paying attention to people who are doing new and don't go around with this idea that we've got to protect for the way it's always been. When it comes to normalize the new mentality, we, we always language it this way when we're, when we're going through our class, because transform our class that we teach and the community that we have around it is all about this, this, this one thing that different isn't always better, but better is always different. And so to be on the lookout for different, knowing that at some point it is going to make things better, um, yeah. is critically important to, to growth. So I can dig into a little bit of that more, but just your thoughts on that. Well, I, I would, I'm surrounded by different, uh, and that would be that, you know, I live, um, if I open my window, I could hear traffic on Saturn Parkway and Saturn Parkway is called Saturn Parkway because it's, it leads to the GM plant that built all the Saturn cars and Saturn is no longer a brand. It was, you know, it's, I've, this Saturn Parkway lasted longer than Saturn, right? The road did. And now I'm thinking about the $2 billion, um, battery plant that um actually today there was a warning in my town if you see helicopters flying low don't panic and it's because that is helicopters that are helping um build or do something with the building of this new this new battery plant so gm thinking of new and becoming obsolete had gone from building saturns to now building electric cars and putting massive amounts of investment into that and that's different. 
Yeah. And for a while, they tried to, and I think there's a, there's a documentary around, you've seen it, or Justin, you've seen it, called Who Killed the Electric Car? Um, but they, they resisted it a long time. And now they're like, okay, um, we're, we can't resist this anymore. It's, it's happening. And people have all different kinds of opinions on electric cars, and I don't own one. But the, the point is, um, if you're not open to change, then um, you, are, you will become obsolete. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting. And I want to hear Justin's thoughts on this. I'll, I'll kind of g- give this thought is because uh, we talk about this in our organization all the time, every week um, as a team. And we, we are constantly an organization of transformation. But, but truly that statement of the ears can only see, eyes can only, eyes can only see, ears can only hear what the brain is looking for. Until this is turned on, it's amazing to me the, the absolute blindness and deafness that people have to where things are moving because, because it's just not there. It's not, they don't, they don't choose not to turn that switch. So the way we think about it is this way. We think about, okay, everybody's got a normal. Your normal is your current way of going about making progress. And it is made up of your, your habits, your presence, the uh, technology, education, training that you work with, the markets and memberships you belong to. Um, We can go on and on and on about your current way of going about making progress in life basically is made up of your normal. And your normal is very efficient because uh, it's muscle memory mostly. You can do it on autopilot. Mm, yeah. Then you have new. New is a transform way of doing some or all those those things. And and we like to say it this way because again it's 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 a dance. But you, most people don't dance. Um, it's a dance between normal and new because our greatest opportunities to recognize our future possibilities. It's not about totally abandoning your normal. It, it, and also not about rejecting new, but it's about keeping tension between the two. And most people have zero tension towards normal. I mean, zero tension towards new. They live in defense of the normal. So, um, Justin, we talk about this all the time organizationally. Your, your, your thoughts and how you see this manifest in different ways. Yeah, I think a great illustration, I'll piggyback off of Andy's uh, example or just talking about car dealerships. You're using your car everything's fine. And then something happens that triggers you to need or want to get a new car, right? Like it's no longer, you're literally, you're literally talking about my car right now. I literally, yeah. I just, you know, yeah. and then you Are start you shopping. A car, Justin? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, then you start shopping, right? And you find the type of car that you want. And it's as if you're the first person that's ever found that type of car, right? Like that's how you treat it. Cause then the next thing you know, you're driving down the street and all you see is that car. You yeah. never noticed it before. But you were completely closed off to that car even existing because yeah. it, it didn't fit your model of what you had going on. It, it was new yeah. for you and how you were operating. It wasn't relevant to right. you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, we just finished, uh, we, we, we're about to start a new transform class and we finished the other one. And a guy that had been through our class, oh, probably two years ago and for, for a couple of times and, uh, and he went back through and he, and he came up to us after the class. We were just catching up on things. He said, I can't believe how many new things I learned this, this go around than I did just two years ago. He said, it's like you've really transformed a lot of the things you say and do. And I said, absolutely. Look, we're, we're always, we, we are transformative as an organization. We're looking for new ideas. We're looking for new opportunities to be able to increase our clients' profitability and quality of life. Because of what we're saying, we'll talk about that. What's your what's your win, right? What you're focused on, um, you know. One time, Blockbuster Video's win was to be a, be be a great home entertainment company. 
And mm-hmm. if, if Netflix would have come along and they were looking for new, they'd have gone, that's a good way to do it. We can also add to what we are normal. We're not going to stop doing what we've done, but let's, let's, let's put this new thing in there instead of like saying, we, we don't need that. The internet, yeah, I'm sure it'll be there. But we, we got, we really, what they were is they were a great video store. And the one in Bend, Oregon, I'm still sure is still a great video store. It's just people want to go to a video store anymore. Um, so there's, there's thoughts I have here on this. And this, this is really, if I was to give it, all the advisors listening, um, one, one is this, this just, it has to be something that is a part of your, your, your DNA. You need to flip the switch. And, and, and some of the ways that we flip the switch, I'm going to give you some real tangible ways to do this language to wrap around it as well, but you've got to have a test kitchen. Um, and, and I mean, a, a test kitchen that helps you try on new, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to this normal that you're doing, you, you look at the tragic example of like what Blockbuster did. And one, I mean, the CEOs of Netflix said, thank God Blockbuster didn't buy us. Mm-hmm. One is because their, their type of uh, mentality they had was so stifling in the innovation lens that they, they would have probably prevented us from actually continuing to evolve into what we've ultimately become. Yeah, let me let me interrupt real quick. Um, I would say this, you know, sometimes what we want wanted would have been the worst thing for us, right? Absolutely. And and and, and the reason I'm thinking of that is that you know I have a friend who um, I'm trying to remember the name of the service, but BlackBerry bought them. Um, t- oh, I know it's called Tungle, T-U-N-G-L-E. Don't Google it because it's gone. But it was this great service for all these different people to, if they all all had different tools and schedules to use this, to find a common meeting time. It was this great app. And this is, I don't know, probably 10, 12 years ago. Um, And it it did a great job of doing what it needed to do. And as BlackBerry was declining deeply, deeply, um, they were, this this BlackBerry bought um, Tungle. And they said they were going to bring it into their service and then, you know, and then, but it, as, as Blackberry died, so did Tungle. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's a died with it. Um, it, meaning like, and I know the founder and he's like, I regret it because we could have been great, but we took what we thought was the right opportunity. And then we went down with them. Right. Yeah. And the point is you need to be okay with new, you need to be okay with new options, but you also have to be discerning that sometimes the bigger option, you're just buying into an old culture. Yes, that's well said. Very well said. And, and so some, yeah, sometimes the, the, the best opportunities are the missed ones. Um, but for yeah, the, for the yeah. one who has the opportunity, you know? but enough, listen, Wes, enough about my ex fiance. Let's not talk about that. Uh, but amen to that brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I, and I think Funny. this, Andy, I, I really do. I mean, if you, if you, some like Blockbuster, let's take them as an example. It, it, if they would have had an atmosphere of transformation to say, yeah, we've got a test kitchen. They, they, $50 million sounds like a lot of money, but when you, it would have represented less than 1% of Blockbuster's value at that time. And if you aren't given less than 1% to your test kitchen to say, let's try it. Let's try it on. Let's see if it works. Maybe it doesn't, but it's 1%. Yeah. And right. And it wasn't like, here's the other thing. I'm, I'm big on what's the track record here? Because it wasn't blind faith that they were coming in and saying, we think this is going to work. Yeah. You guys should buy it for $50 million. It's, it does work. We got a proof of concept here. And all, internet's only getting better, not worse. And so do we want to try and, and make this thing? So 
it's kind of like when it, when we test kitchen ideas, um, we, we track data, we do things. Um, I, I will tell you, it's funny. Our, our transform class, we've been doing this since, um, and tracking it since 2017 through today. And we have people that have went through and we have real data on how massively, uh, their, their practices have transformed to holistic fee-based financial planning practices, or they're somewhere further uh, up than what they were. But the improvements in the millions and millions and millions of dollars of transformation that have taken place for themselves and their clients and the companies they're a part of, it, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's grounded optimism. And it's not, a, hey, trust me. It's trust me. And here's why. Um, yeah. This works. So. Yeah. And I would say the grounded optimism, it's funny that you added the word grounded to that because I think there's, I mean, well, I don't know. If, I don't want to quiz you guys because you might get it wrong, but I'll say this. Blind optimism is usually yes. the other word, right? Okay. Um, but grounded optimism is it's a realistic, grounded, but it, it's still optimistic, right? It's it's it, it. You can be a grounded pessimist, and you and you're right. Yep, Congress doesn't get very much done. Yep, somehow people get elected, making eighty thousand dollars a year, and after twenty years in office, they're millionaires. How does that work? You know, I mean, like corruption. That's how it works, right? Yeah. But my point is, you could have grounded optimism. Like you yeah. can say, listen, you can be realistic, but also be realistic that there's opportunities all over the place if you're willing to pursue them. But here's my challenge and my question for you. I believe, and you can argue, uh, that our nature it by default does not like new. Most right. people listening to this are doing something that they do every day while they listen to this. They're driving, yeah. they're working out, they're like, they're on, they're in a routine. And so new uh, and I love how you said earlier, like the reason we don't do things new is it's not very efficient. Like habits are great because they're efficient, right? Yeah. You drive the same way because it's usually the fastest way, right? So how do you, how do you challenge your normal with new in a systematic way other than like, go do it. That's not a plan, Wes. Yeah. yeah. Give us a plan yeah. on how do you challenge the normal with new? I'll give it to you. Uh, yeah. Because because the alternative is you're, you're going to be playing catch up at some point and it's going to be after a crisis has taken place or you're so far behind and it doesn't have to be that way. So here, here's a great way. Okay. This is, this is like the to do if all this to you, one, the, the word I would use and we'll break it into four specific distinctions that just help you understand how this divides up in a pie is you, you've got to challenge your normal with new. So one is that's on your calendar. How are you? Where's your new time? Because you got a lot of normal time. You got to run meetings. You got to do the things you normally do, but you need new time. New time, I divide into four areas. Okay. It's, it's, it's cultivation, resolution, orchestration, and execution. Um, and just real quick, Andy, what I mean by those things, and we can come back yes, and talk please. about Yeah. Cultivation is an agriculture term. If you think about it, we're cultivating the ground to bring forth something we plant. And so cultivating new ideas, there has to be some source that are reg that you're plugging into that regularly challenge your operational assumptions about life that are regularly stirring up new ways of thinking about things. So that, that could be as simple as podcasts you listen to like this one. It, it could be um, conferences you go to. Uh, it could be the classes you engage in like transform or elite advisor yeah. network, go to a conference, you know, all the, all the things that, that, that we do um, the, 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 you, you, I mean, you think back, Andy, we're, we don't know each other unless we meet at a conference. Right. And we don't, yeah. we, this, we, we don't have, you know, I don't know what we're at, what 40 sessions now in our, in our podcast here. So, um, 
but you, you got to have something that's, that's cultivating new ideas for you and, and books you read, all, all these kinds of things. And you need, and you need a parking lot. Like you can't do everything. So just have some electronic system that you're constantly taking out. Oh, that's a cool idea. That's a cool idea. Not that mm-hmm. you're doing all of them. Not that you're going to, it's like the buffet. Can't eat them all. Right. And that's where we get to resolution. So resolution is a decision to do or not to do something. And so regularly, not just once a year, like New Year's resolutions, regularly, you need to be taking stuff out of the parking lot and driving it. You got to say, okay, what are we going to integrate in? Um, Or in some cases, stop integrating in. What are we going to let go of? Right. That we think can move the needle the most. And and so that's actually picking because we hate to pick. We hate to pick things because if I pick, it means if I talk about all the options and ideas, oh, we need change, we need innovation, and look at all these cool innovations, but but I never actually pick. I, it's as good as me not doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And then orchestration means you're putting it on the calendar. You're physically saying, okay, we have this idea that we've picked. Uh, we've come up with a thousand ideas. We picked the two that we think are going to matter most. Where do we actually implement these on the calendar? How, how are we going to take these from, and this is the big one, Andy, because right now it's new. And as you said, new requires different energy. It's different than my normal. I can do my normal on muscle memory. I can autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've got to consciously think it's exhausting in the beginning and inefficient in the beginning. How, how am I going to take, what's going to be on the calendar that's going to get this new idea to normal as fast as possible? Right. And then last but not least is execution. And that's where you actually check in with yourself weekly to say, how's this going? And, right. and what course corrections do I need to make? Cause I've, cause as you try and integrate new, you learn and, and you, you figured that you see things you couldn't have seen before. Uh, so those are the big pieces that we have regularly as a part of our organization. So any, any thoughts or, or feedback on that? Well, and I don't want to screw up your four part thing, I, but I think maybe part of this is maybe execution. Part B is iteration, which is you execute on it. And then you say, like I, we hosted a webinar, two webinars yesterday. And I told the people at the second webinar, I said, hey, by the way, this one's always better because the first <laughs> one is, you know, like, oh, we get, we'll do this better, right? I mean, yeah. you iterate, you iterate. You know, I'm working on a guide right now on those five levels of commitment um, uh, that, like, I look at the first version of it and it's literally embarrassing. Like, I will not show you the first version of what this yeah. looks like. But by the fifth version, I'm like, this is awesome. So when something is new, Whatever that might be, give it time and space to iterate. The yeah. first version will not be the best version very long. It shouldn't be. But for a moment, it will be your best version. You should be proud of it. Version one, great. What's the best thing about version one is that you can learn a lot from it. And, and the version two is probably twice as good. And that's another interesting thing that I think that people need to get in the habit of. I think that's why you and Justin like and your company like things that are new. Is you realize that, listen, if you want to get to an awesome version five, then get to version one as soon as you can. That's right. Get to version two. And that's where you get excited about, like, I'm actually finding myself getting more excited about the really ugly, embarrassing thing. Because I'm like, well, it can only get better because this is garbage. <laughs> this is horrible. That's right. But, I, but, I ha- but it has to be horrible first. Right? Yes. And I get excited. I'm like, here's something else horrible. But, yeah. but you know, what, what's, what's the next version? Better. Right. Uh, Dan Sullivan talks about that when you have a new idea that you want to go after that you've never done before, uh, you don't have the, the competence and ability mm. to do that idea. Cause if you did, you'd be doing it right. It's, it's because yeah. it's, it's not a part of it. 
you get, you become competent in the pursuit of the new idea. And, and that's it. And that's, that's really what we're talking about here. Right. Right. But that's hard. It's hard to say, I want something and, but I'm okay being incompetent. I mean, who does, who wants to be called incompetent? Yeah. Right. No one. But the reality is you're not very competent yet. Yeah. But if you want to, then, you know, you have to do it more. That's more right. Quickly. We are so confident at being a video store. We are incompetent <laughs> at being Netflix. So we remain confident at being a video store. I remember, I remember getting on Netflix and ordering a DVD and feeling like it was magical. Yeah. That they could send that to me. And now I just can probably talk to my devices and they would find it for me. So <laughs> iterate. They have to, you know, they've iterated quite a bit, right? So. Yep. Um, so what, what's the final step here okay. in order to um, find yeah, just, this new just, opportunity? I would just say this. Just imagine what, what things can be like a year from today. If you take this one idea, and for many of you, you, you kind of live this life a little bit already, but maybe, maybe some of you that do this, you just need to put some more, some more guardrails around it. You need to actually schedule this in your calendar and, and talk to somebody about what is your cultivation, resolution, orchestration, execution plan right now? And then what, when are you going to check in with them on it? Um, some of you, this is hard for you because you've done this well. You've done it well for a long time and you're defending the normal. You're defending the way it's always been done. And, and you just, you, I mean, you, you're smart. You understand this, that the world is going to be different in two years than it is right now. <laughs> you yeah. might not be. And you I'm don't laughing. Be. I'm just laughing because we know it's true, but do you act like it's true? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Flip, like I'm a, just saying, flip the switch. What are you doing differently? Nothing. Yeah. Flip, flip the switch because here's the deal. If you want to continue to become the kind of advisor, the clients you're looking for are looking for, you got to be a becoming. And if you're just being, you're not becoming. So, so what are you becoming in the process of what you're pursuing? And, and let's really dig into that one idea and just, just do this one practice, build this one practice in the organizational rhythm of your life on a weekly basis. And what you'll wake up and find is a year from now, you are radically different in a good way. You are, you are on the, and again, you don't have to be the person that comes up with all the ideas. I don't want to say that unless you're an idea guy, that's fine. But man, if something, if you're, if you're the same as you were last year, this year, if they, you know, the younger version of your, the older version of yourself wants to be a better version uh, of you. And so embrace what's coming. We don't even know what it's going to be like, but we know it's going to be different. Different isn't always better, but better is always different. So let's try on some of these things and create space for it in our organizations. Love it. Well, thank you for that, Wes. And thanks to those uh, who are listening today. I want to ask you, uh, if you have not left a review of the show, to take a minute to do that uh, on the podcast app on your phone uh, or on Spotify. Leave us a few star ratings. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And if you want to learn more from Wes, you can go to wesyoumlive.com and um, he will uh, help you there. Thanks, everybody. 